0: Hello, this is Neely. Welcome back to Meet Me in the Middle. Thank you so much for being here. We've covered a lot, um, but we're not quite done yet. This final episode in the Founding Story series will tell the founding story from the perspective of the African slaves forced onto these shores by the slave traders. This is a very controversial part of our past, as is the native perspective, and they, bo- are, and they are both included in the slave trade. However, this section is going to focus on the African slaves' perspective as I've covered the natives in part one. African slavery in America still brings much debate today on how to teach it. The African-American population in the United States is 41.6 million people, which is approximately 13.5% of the population. There were 12.5 million African slaves brought to the United States from Africa by the European slave trade. 15% died on this journey. When we finish this episode, this will conclude the final piece of our common founding story. I just want to remind everyone I'm not a teacher. I'm not university educated on this subject. However, I've spent years studying this subject by reading many books, watching many documentaries. I do not quote dates or events unless I can find three reliable sources that claim the same fact. These stories are in no means the full stories. I really encourage you to dig deeper. I also do wanna start this episode off with a personal story that happened to me in 2022. I was given the privilege to be able to be a chaperone on my son's eighth grade civil rights trip that was organized by his history teacher. Her passion for teaching the truth about American history is truly a sight to behold. She reaches her kids by bringing them into the lesson. She's been taking her eighth grade class on this field trip for years. This trip changed my life and I want to honor Catherine's commitment, not only to her kids, but to the important subject of teaching civil rights and how that applies to today's issues. I felt like I was learning something new and my eyes were open to a whole new truth. That journey will allow me to enrich this part of part with what I learned as a 50 year old student in the deep south of Georgia and Alabama in May 2022. Just to remind you, these two states succeeded from the Union as part of a group of 11 states creating the Confederate States and fought in the Civil War to keep slavery. They lost, but they hold on to that Confederate past and fly their Confederate flags proudly, still on the highways between Montgomery and Selma in Alabama. So let's get started. The European slave trade started in the early 1500s and really gained historical mention at the start of the Atlantic slave trade. The Portuguese had a virtual monopoly on the slave trade in 1500s to 1700s, being part of the Iberian Union, which were the combination of the crowns of Castile and Aragon between 1580 and 1640, which put them under Spanish rule. They were bringing African slaves to South America, which was the focus of the Spanish colonization story. Slaves were classified as indentured servants. As many men and women of European origins came to the colonies under this title and had to work off their debts to become free, Britain would send criminals for transportation. They were sold by the captains who paid their passage and upkeep to recoup their costs and to profit on human trafficking. These plantation owners who bought the slaves would then, they would become property for a set period of time. Africans were brought here without any such contract to be freed. This podcast will focus on the territory on what is known as the United States of America, as we did in part one and two of this series. In 1526, the first African slaves arrived in South Carolina. The exact number is not known. Lucas Vasquez de Aylan, a Spanish explorer along with 600 colonists, occupied this South Carolina region in attempt to start a colony which failed and some of the slaves escaped. These slaves found refuge amongst the natives. Others were moved to Georgia to start a new colony which also failed and then they were returned to San Domingo after an epidemic broke out. August 28th 1585 Don Pedro Mendez de Alves brought three African slaves with him to start a colony in uh, St. Augustine, Florida. In 1606, the first enslaved African was born and named Augustine. In 1619, African slaves were brought to Point Comfort, Virginia and sold to the Jamestown settlers. These slaves were taken from their homes in the Congo and boarded onto a ship heading to South America when two British ships came upon the Portuguese slave ship and took them from the Portuguese, this was the true beginning of what would set off a path of slavery and a fight for freedom that lasted for centuries. Slavery was not defined in legal terms. It is said until John Punch, a Virginia slave, who ran away in 1640 with two other indentured servants of European background. Of course, they were caught and only John Punch was sentenced to life as a slave. The other two were indentured servants who were serving out their service for a defined period for the cost of their passage and maintenance. They received added time for running away, but not life. This was the first case that highlights how men were treated differently based on race and origin. There were over 95 slave ships and over 1,300 journeys recorded traveling from Africa to the New World. These ships were purposely, purposefully fitted to carry as many slaves as possible. They were crammed into the holes of the ships with barely enough room to sit and sometimes not having the headroom on the ships, so they were chained laying down. The conditions on these ships were subhuman. They were underfed, brutally treated, and many died on the journey, approximately 15%. The journey lasted between one and six months, depending on the weather. The slaves that were sick were thrown overboard in chains to drown, and those who who made it were weak and dehumanized. The slave trade used a triangular route from Africa to South America and North America. This was referred to as the Middle Passage. African kings, warlords, and private kidnappers sold captives to Europeans who held several coastal ports around the world. A typical slave ship carried several hundred slaves and 30 crew members. Most of the slaves were kept below deck. Some would bring them up for fresh air, mainly the French ships. Women were given a bit more room and time above deck. Ship designs were improved over time as the mortality rate was much higher in the 1500s to the 1600s. Adding airflow improved the mortality rate. A slave sold at auctions fetched approximately 800 to $1,200 in current times that would equate to 32000 to 48000 per slave. The slaves were insured, so losses were recouped financially. So when overcrowding or illness occurred, the slave traders would throw slaves overboard. This led to brutal treatment with no recourse. In 1641, Massachusetts became the first to recognize slavery as a legal institution. In 1654, John Castor, a black man who claimed to have completed his term of indenture became the first legally recognized slave for life, losing a case when the court sided with his master. In 1662, Virginia passed a law that the children would follow the line of the mother to claim whether the child would be enslaved. This meant that men could rape the women, not be responsible for the children, and even sell that child as their property. In 1664, Maryland passes a law banning interracial marriage. In 1676, an armed rebellion known as Beacon's Rebellion broke out with white indentured service, servants, African slaves, fighting together. Nathaniel Bacon requested to drive out the native tribes from the land that had been allocated to the natives by the British Crown. The natives trying to defend their land and resources fought back and. Na- Nathaniel and his followers, poor white settlers, African slaves, white indentured servants, and free Africans all joined. This uprising shook the colonial elite as they saw that whites and blacks joining forces could cause a major shift in the workings of how the colonies were being designed. A unity of the commoners was perceived a threat of the, to the Virginia aristocracy, which had to be addressed and who wished to prevent a repeat of these events. The Virginia Slave Codes of 1705 formally entitled an Act Concerning Servants and Slaves. These were a series of laws enacted by the colony of Virginia House of Burgess in 1705, regulating the interactions between slaves and citizens of the Crown um, in the colony of Virginia. It served to socially segregate white colonists from African slaves, one of the first segregation laws in the country. Several laws in many colonies replicated such acts to protect the wealthy landowners from the poor and enslaved. This was intended to keep the power struggle in favor of the elite. 1709, the first slave market in New York was erected where Africans and natives were sold to the highest bidder and named as property. The market was erected on wall street a place that was already popular meeting spot in new amsterdam for farmers and merchants from all over the all over um, the country and the larger settlements to gather for economic reasons 1712 to 1714 a group of more than 20 enslaved people armed with guns hatchets swords and other weapons gathered together and set fire to a building in what is now the financial district of downtown Manhattan. The enslaved group fled the scene. All who were involved in the revolt were captured afterwards. White colonists arrested and jailed about 70 black people in the colony on the basis of suspicion. It's reported that all the enslaved people were put to trial and found guilty, convicting them to execution. Many more slave markets opened across the colonies and more slaves were imported and sold. The largest slave market was in New Orleans and the largest number of slaves were sold in Savannah, Georgia. Over two days in 1859, 436 slaves were sold. The slave markets had jails too small to lie down and all of them pleading for the children or family members who were up for, for sale and being sold to separate plantations, never be to reunited again. In 1770, a man known as Crispus Atux was shot in the Boston Massacre, as it's known, and the first American killed as part of the prelude to the American Revolution. He was not referred to as black, as he was thought to be mixed, African and native, known as mulatto. This was to describe skin tone, not ethnicity. In 1775, the Pennsylvania Society for Abolition of Slavery was founded. The Quakers and the Presbyterians were against slavery from the start, as they saw it as immoral. They joined colonies across across the land uh, in the abolitionist movement. In 1775, General George Washington, revising an earlier edict, and at the onset of the Revolutionary War, ordered recruiting officers to accept free blacks in the army, more than 5,000, mainly from the North, fought against the British in the Revolutionary War. In In 1776, the Declaration of Independence, the first lines, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. This did not extend to African slaves, natives or women. Also in 1776, the British promised freedom to any slave that fought for the British. And it was said over 35,000 slaves fled to join the British. Virginia, Maryland and North Carolina's population of enslaved africans accounted for approximately 50% of their population due to the agriculture and tobacco uh, agriculture of tobacco and cotton. In 1777 to 1807 many states started to ban slavery while much of the south continued. In 1783 the war ended with the Treaty of Paris. This set off the domestic slave trade selling African slaves to the Southern colonies from the Northern colonies. In 1783, the United States gained independence from the British crown. In 1787, the Northwest Ordinance banned the expansion of slavery into U.S. territories north of the Ohio River and east of the Mississippi. In 1787, during the Constitutional Convention where the colonies got together to draft the U.S. Constitution, many discussions were had on how to count the African slave population. The three-fifths compromise enabled large colonies to count their slave populations as three-fifths of the population to gain representation and seats in the House of Representatives, even though they could not vote. Women could also not vote. In 1793, the Fugitive Slave Act passed, making it a crime to harbor an escaped slave or interfere with the arrest of a slave. In the late 1700s, the abolitionist movement had started and took hold across the globe, banning slavery, slowly filtering to the colonies. In 1804, the Northern States had abolished slavery In 1807, the Slave Trade Act abolished the slave trade, but not slavery. This was intended to stop the kidnapping and sale of foreign slaves brought to America. Breeding slaves became a practice as the import was being abolished and the domestic slave trade was drying up. The practice of forced breeding became a way to ensure the raising of new slaves through force. It's important to note that the first 18 presidents were slave owners. However, the eighth president, Martin Van Buren, owned one slave who escaped and remained free. In 1814, Van Buren did not try to find him. The 18th president, Ulysses S. Grant, owned one slave and freed him in 1859. George Washington freed all his slaves in his will. He died in 1797. Thomas Jefferson fathered multiple enslaved children during his presidency. In 1860, when President Abraham Lincoln was elected to office, 11 states seceded from the Union as they wanted to keep slavery in those states. This kicked off the Civil War, which lasted from 1861 to 1865. The 11 states that joined the Confederate States seceded from the Union were as follows. Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas, Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Arizona and New Mexico became part of the Confederacy, but were not part of the Union until 1912. The Confederates lost the war, rejoining the Union, although they were never officially recognized as having succeeded Arizona and New Mexico did not join until 1912. In 1863, during the Civil War, George Washington signed the executive order known as the Emancipation Proclamation, also known as Proclamation 95. Freeing all slaves during the Civil War came with many complexities and declared that any person not adhering to this proclamation was in direct violation against the United States. The Gettysburg Address, Lincoln spoke at the dedication of the Gettysburg Battlefield Cemetery on November 19th, 1863, and in three minutes, he asserted that the nation was born, not in 1789, but in 1776, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal, He defined the war as dedicated to the principles of liberty and equality for all. He declared that the deaths of so many brave soldiers would not be in vain, that slavery would end and the future of democracy would be assured, that government of the people by the people for the people shall not perish from the earth. In 1865, the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution abolished slavery and involuntary servitude except as punishment for a crime. In 1865, Special Field Order Number 15 were military orders provided for the confiscation of 400,000 acres of land along the Atlantic coast of South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida Dividing it into forty acres plots to be settled by freed slaves. Approximately eighteen thousand enslaved Africans were rehomed. This was known as forty acres and a mule. This was intended to provide each settlement with a mule to help plough the fields of their plots. In april fourteen april fourteenth, eighteen sixty five, John Wilkes Booth who had contacts with the Confederate Secret Service assassinated Abraham Lincoln. In 1865, the Ku Klux Klan, a white supremacist right-wing terrorist group responsible for the heinous killing and lynching of all non-white persons, predominantly against the Black people and Natives, was established. Same day of the assassination, President Andrew Jackson was sworn in. Jackson tried to reverse the reverse of the special field order, and some of the land was restored to the white owners. His motives was to focus on paid labor instead of land ownership, as the plantations suffered and were in much need of laborers. A select committee of Freedmen's Affairs, which focused on all the president's orders relating to the freeing of slaves, were discussed. The Freedmen's Bureau was established as a U.S. government agency from 1865 to 1872 to direct provisions such as clothing, fuel, shelter, food to those suffering, then known as refugees. In 1862 to 1916, the Homestead Act passed. This was to help develop the American West and spur economic growth. Congress passed the Homestead Act of 1862, which provided 160 acres of federal land to anyone who agreed to farm the land. The act distributed millions of acres of Western land to individual settlers. This did not include freedmen, as the Africans freed were not U.S. citizens. That This also expansion west was called the Trail of Tears by the Native Americans, and they also were not recognized as citizens and could not participate in the Homestead Act. The 14th Amendment of the Constitution was passed in 1868. This was an act to grant citizenship and civil rights to all of those who were naturalized and are born in the United States. This was heavily contested by the Confederate States, but they were forced to ratify to regain their seats and representation in the Congress after the Civil War. Native Americans still did not contain have this right until 1924. This period between 1865 to 1877 was known as the Reconstruction Era, and during this time, the Jim Crow laws were set in motion to segregate blacks from white populations. 1870, the 15th Amendment of the U.S. to the U.S. Constitution, um, black men were given the right to vote. No man was to be denied the right to vote based on race or creed. Women still could not vote. Natives were also not able to vote. The Jim Crow laws intended on segregating whites from blacks, which included drinking fountains, special sections on buses, trains, bathrooms, restaurants, schools, churches, jobs, everywhere. There were even some laws in some states not allowing residency to blacks in their states. This went on until the Civil Rights Movement ended finally in 1968 with the passage of the final Civil Rights Act, also known as the Fair Housing Act. These times were filled with stories of lynching and legal enslavement using the criminal justice system to enslave Black people. The devastation and disenfranchisement of the Blacks continue in many ways today. This set off many events. The bus boycotts, the sit-ins, the marches and protests. Some of the most notable events are in 1954, Brown versus Board approved the end of segregation in public schools. In 1955, Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on the bus to white passengers. In 1956, the bus boycott in in Montgomery, where Blacks refused to ride the buses and so a taxi system was set up to help them move from place to place. Some major insurance companies refused to insure those cabs who helped Blacks boycott the buses. In 1957, Arkansas National Guard blocked nine black students from entering the school which forced the, pres- the forced president Eisenhower to send federal troops to escort the men. In. in 1957, Eisenhower established the Civil Rights Commission and passed the first of many civil rights acts in an attempt to end the local Jim Crow laws. In 1965, the March of Voting Rights activists marched across the Edmund Pettus Bridge on the way to the Capitol, were met with 600 state troopers and beaten on the bridge along with women and children. This is known as Bloody Sunday. There was worldwide outrage and many whites and many immigrants joined Martin Luther King two weeks later to walk across that bridge and deliver his speech, how long, not long, to an audience of 25,000 people. In August 6, 1965, the Civil Rights Voting Rights Act passed Congress and signed into law by Lyndon Johnson. April 4, 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated. August 30, 1967, Thorogood Marshall became the first American justice of the US Supreme Court. April 11, 1968, one of the last civil rights acts passed to address the discrimination to obtain housing, also known as the Fair Housing Act. The civil rights movement started in 1954 and ended in 1968, to abolish all legalized racial segregation laws. In 2007, the Virginia General Assembly passed a House Joint Resolution No. 728, acknowledging with profound regret the involuntary servitude of Africans, and the exploitation of Native Americans at the 400th anniversary celebration of the Jamestown colony's birthday. Virginia being the first colony in the United States and the first of the 50 states to apologize officially. Many states followed suit, but not all have done so. January 20th, 2009, Barack Obama, the first black American president is inaugurated. This journey has been long and traumatizing for the African-American people, and in many ways, the struggle continues. The discrimination against blacks can be seen in the news today. 2015, the Charleston church shooting resulted in the death of nine African-Americans by the white supremacists. This resulted in the demand for the removal of Confederate symbols across America. August 11th and 12th of 2017, the Unite the Right rally in response to the removal of the Confederate statues in Charlottesville resulted in one death and 35 injuries. This was heavily attended by neo-Nazis, white supremacists, white nationalists, alt-right, neo-Confederates, Klansmen, and neo-fascists. President Trump sparked backlash for a statement condemning the violence but also stating there were very fine people on both sides giving some kind of equivalence to protesters and anti-protesters. During this time, the government has seen a rise in neo-Nazi and white supremacist movements, which they deemed as the number one threat in America today in 2021. Hate groups are rising, and I can only say that as as the fight to claim all people are free and equal, those who have held the power feel like they are losing rights. But this is a misconception as the fight to be equal is only a threat to those who wanna hold on to the power structure of white supremacy. The latest uprising in 2020, known as the Black Lives Matter movement in response to the killing of George Floyd, under the premise that black lives have to matter for all lives to matter. The criminal justice system incarcerates blacks five times the rate of whites still today. January 20th, 2021, Kamala Harris is inaugurated as the first black vice woman vice president. This concludes the third perspective of our founding story and in no way reflects all the key dates, events, and stories of our common past. And that goes for all three sections of this series. I can only hope that we can recognize that we as Americans would not be standing in one of the most powerful nations in the world without these three groups of people who formed our history. In 2023, the controversy of telling these stories that I have just laid out in these three podcasts have have led me on this quest to shed light on how these three stories being told properly, as hard as they are to embrace or to hear, will lead us to our common story. This also, slavery, even though slavery has been practiced for thousands of years and some would ex- some Americans today would excuse America's participation and proliferation of the slave trade as that was what it was back then. This is not inclusive or representative of those who suffered the trauma. This is, by also doing this, you're highlight, I'm highlighting the fact that what I said in episode one, the United States was built on stolen land, built by slaves, and ruled by immigrants. This is a horrible reality, but it is true. And again, this is not to shame, it's to embrace and enlighten ourselves, to have a common ground, to firmly stand together as one nation, as we are now all Americans, and we must all own our common story. Many positive changes have been made to stop the proliferation of practices that disenfranchise any American from practicing in the acts afforded us by the U.S. Constitution along with its amendments. We still have a ways to go, and only from the middle ground, with the knowledge of the truth in our minds, can we charge forward in search of a more perfect union. We all have a claim and a place in our founding story, under one flag in the United States of America. This is our common founding story and should be told in its entirety to ensure we never allow the laws or governance to repeat the past. Meet Me in the Middle is about finding unity in the middle. I hope you will continue with me as we delve into the founding documents series and government structure series at the federal and state level eventually getting to the key issues that will allow us to make informed choices at the ballot box. My goal is to eventually get to a point where we're attracting guests to debate these hard issues that are in the current, that are current events happening today and ways that we together as Americans can join in the fight of the things that are right and the things that bind us. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you like this podcast enough to share and like and rate and spread the movement of understanding. I will soon be launching my website where I can make available links to resources and books that will help you dig deeper. Please keep learning as I do. The more we know, the more we grow, as cheesy as that sounds. My quest is to break down the walls and start talking again meet me in the middle. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.